All right, go ahead and take a seat. Yes. It's a little cooler today. This is the first time I'm feeling it, you know, and uh, we will sort that out whether or not to be inside, outside. We'll figure that out as, as we go. Um, but today we're going to uh, come back to this message series that we've been in called We Are the Church. We Are the Church. And we're kind of focusing in on what God is doing in the world, uh, who we are, who he's making us to be, uh, where this begins, what we're supposed to be doing now, and what's coming. And um, I was thinking about these ideas this week as we got an invitation from uh, a, people, a group of people to have dinner together. It's been a while, and there's a couple of couples in this group that we have been disconnected with. Uh, we used to go to church with them. We used to be on mission together with them. Uh, great people, great families. So several years back, but something happened uh, to these families, and they they start they go to other churches or they move, and we bless them. But in this case, they they moved away from the church. Period. And you know they they it was during that heightened political season. Things were kind of ugly, and. Um, they started to question everything, and they didn't want to process that within the church, with God's word, um, and so they, they left. And it was hard, because we were connected with these people. They, these were really good friends, and um, we had served together. And um, so we got this invitation. It's been a while since we've seen them uh, to come have dinner together. And honestly, I was like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. And I was trying to sort through that. I'm still kind of processing that. Is it because I'm hurt? Um, or is it, what is it? And part of it is this. Part of it is um, that I know we, we would have this time together, but then that would be it. It'd be kind of a one-off thing. And then this got me thinking about friendship. What, what is friendships? What, who are my friends? Like, who are those people that... My heart is bound to, and I'm building relationship with, and I'm growing with. Who is that group of people? And it helped me realize that the people that I'm closest with now are those people who are in Jesus, who share this, this highest thing, this, this greatest thing in my life is my relationship with God. We share that together. We have that in common. That's a, that's a given. It's... It's the most important thing in my life, and it's the most important thing or a very highly important thing in the lives of my closest friends. The other thing is that we are on mission together. You know, we, we have a direction in our life. We have a shared aim, a, shame, a shared purpose. We are um, part of the work that God is doing in the world. So we're, hard, we're part of this high mission. Now, I have other friends, you know, that I'm friendly with. But these are kind of thin friendships, people like in my neighborhood that I coach with, uh, that I don't have Jesus and God's mission in common with. You know, there's, there's people like that, and that's good, and I try to share with them this great gift of God, um, but it's not the same thing. It's not my, those aren't my close friends. And so I, I started to think about, well, what is this mission? Why, why this common ground in Jesus and in this mission and um, got me thinking about the mission that Jesus has called us on to. And what is the mission? Where, where can we look for the mission that God has given his people? 
Bible trivia. Share the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Make disciples. Yeah. Yeah, I think a great place to go is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. After Jesus' resurrection, so after he's come through the cross, paid for our sins, raised from the dead, during that 40-day period, he appears to his disciples. And he says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's now seated at the right hand of God. He's in the place of majesty. Therefore, to his disciples, go and make disciples, other disciples, of all nations, all people groups, everyone out there, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Go make disciples. That's the highest mission. Now, there's a lot of missions that we have in our lives, right? We got at workplace, you got mission. At school, you got mission. You got things you got to do. Um, when you play sports, there's certain things you need to do. And at home, you probably have some chores, some things you got to do. But we're also part of this high mission life and death, eternal life and death, big stuff mission. And it's exciting and it's hard, but it's, but it's a, of substance. And so, yeah, I think about people here connected to Jesus. We're on mission together. The people I'm closest to are people here. We're working this together. We're trying to help other people. And we kind of paraphrase it here as to help other people know and follow Jesus. Because it's the greatest gift. It's the greatest thing we have to offer the world. To help people know, come into relationship with Jesus, and follow him. Start to conform their lives to his good words, his commands, his directives. And it's people here, but it's also people outside the church who are connected to God and in mission as well. I mean, we've got to, I, we have a people, we have a guy here, Joshua, we support him and his family. You all, we all support this guy who's in Jesus. He's on mission together in India. Uh, we have people, I just met this guy, Dan, from Hillside Church up the hill here. And we're going to do church together in a couple weeks. And I've never met him before on Monday, but it was such a quick connection because we have God in common and we have this mission together in common. You can go anywhere in the world. Go to a church that holds Jesus up highly and you will find people that you will connect with. You have something of substance in common. And you can start working together, walking that out together, encouraging each other in that. All right, we're part of this thing. Uh, it's exciting. I love it. Um, stay tuned on the, the dinner thing. I'll, I'll let you know how that plays out, what, what happens there. A little undecided still. Um, okay. This pass, the passage that really got me kind of bubbling on this um, is from 1 Peter. Now, Peter, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, walked through it with Jesus. Uh, he, after Jesus' death and resurrection, he went around to help Strengthen churches. He, he really focused on Jews going to synagogues, proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Hey, the Messiah has come. These promises are being fulfilled. And uh, he also wrote letters to Gentile churches, predominantly Gentile churches. And one of those uh, is First Peter. We call it First Peter. It's a letter. And he wrote this about the year 62. So this is about 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, the church... God's word is how he continues to form us and shape us and speak to us. 
and calls into life, out of death into life. So let's listen to this. And kids of all ages, listen to this. We're going to look now for the main subject. Main subject. Yeah, English class, anybody? Main subject of this passage. It's kind of long, so listen for the main subject of this passage. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, a lot in there. Hope you're able to hang in. Main subject, anybody? Yes, Sophia. No money today, but applause. Any repeated word in there you heard, like an image? Stone, yeah, I was looking for stone. Yeah, stone, right? The stone. And Sophia, for future use, if, if you ever get a question you don't know the answer, just say Jesus. Right? <laughs> Bible study, Bible, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the stone, right? We heard this, this rock, this cornerstone, this precious and chosen stone, this rock. Um, he is the main topic. He's the main subject. This is a metaphor for Jesus. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, pointed to Jesus. The Gospels reveal Jesus. The rest of the New Testament helps us follow Jesus. It's all pointing to Jesus, the rock, the cornerstone. And let's, let me give you a picture of a cornerstone for those of us who are not architecture dudes or dudettes. We, here's a cornerstone. Here's a diagram of it. And um, yeah, go back to the diagram. Let me explain it real quick. So it's the first stone you lay when you're building a building. And if you set it right, if it's straight, if it's strong, then you're going to line up all the other stones with it. So get the cornerstone right, and you're going to build something solid. All right, and then, yeah, the next picture, that's actually 
uh, from Herod's temple. That's a Herodian stone. It's massive, and that's on the corner. It's not the cornerstone, which is lower, but that gives you an idea of what that looks like. All right, so this was an image that Jews were familiar with. They, they would picture the temple, these massive stones laid out. And that picture is now applied to Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the, the focal point of history, the Redeemer, the Savior. Let's read these bits again just to capture this. As you come to him, this is verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, so he's not a dead stone, he's a, a living stone, rejected by humans, right? He was rejected by some, but chosen by God and precious to him, highly valued by God. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Verse 6, for in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion. That, that's Jerusalem, but it can also apply to all of God's people. A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him, the one who puts their trust in him, on this stone, on this precious cornerstone, will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious. Like, like this stone is precious to God, this stone is precious to us. First thing God's directing us to in his word this morning, first fill in, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Put your trust in him. The cornerstone of God's work in the world. Build your life on him. Keep coming back to him. Put your trust, put your weight on him. Lean into him. Keep him number one, and he will keep things straight in your life. You, with God, will build something solid in your life. You will see good fruit come from your life. If you have this, this cornerstone set right, and if you're building on it. We must not move away, drift from the cornerstone. That's where, thing, that's where people get into, into all sorts of problems. That's where we get into crisis. I've seen it. I, we've, I've been a pastor for many years now. And it's sad. I see two things that happen. One, individuals or families drift. Individuals or families, they, they start to build on a different cornerstone in their life. Or maybe they have multiple cornerstones. They're trying to do a lot of different things. And they forget to put God first and foremost and central and it's hard. It's a battle. It's a battle for individuals. It's a battle for families. There's a lot of things vying for our attention, promising life, promising, you know, to fill your need for security, for acceptance, for significance. God has come, laid his precious cornerstone, and says, hey, if you want to be part of the work God's doing in the world, it's on Jesus. That's where it's at. Now, thankfully, God is faithful even when we're faithless. God remains even when we drift and calls us back. And I do see people come back once in a while as well. The other thing that happens is I see churches drift. Drift away from the main thing. Drift away from this cornerstone. And it's tempting. It's tempting because you want to appeal to everybody. Right? We want to reach everybody with this great news. And Sometimes in that pursuit, we are tempted to twist the word a little bit, make it a little bit more appealing to our culture, smooth off the, the rough edges that 
are supposed to be there. You know? And churches, all throughout church history, it's not a new thing, all throughout church history, when people get away, churches get away from Jesus and add things to him or just drift away, change his word, they, they veer, and eventually those branches wither and die. So this is, this is a reminder for us. Come to Jesus again and again. You know, because it's easy, right? This week, I don't know where you were. Where was your mind? What were you thinking about? It's easy to just drift away from the main thing. It's hard to keep our eyes on Jesus sometimes. Again, a lot pulling on us. So this is a time for us to come together, get our eyes back on him, come again, put our trust in Jesus. And I love this promise. And those who do will never be put to shame. And I think what's happening there is he's looking forward. When everything is revealed, when all hearts are laid bare, when, when God comes in his glory and his fullness, and there's no question, every eye will see, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. When we see it clearly, you and I, if we've been pretty faithful to this stone, we're going to be like, oh, thank you, Lord. It's, here we are. Yes. All right, so we got to watch the drift in our own lives. Um, we want to make sure we watch the drift here. Uh, keep Jesus the main thing. All right, that's the first big point in the passage. And when you do that, when you come to Jesus, that precious and chosen cornerstone laid by God, and build your life on him, something happens. God does something with you. Uh, let's read it again, verse 5. Listen to what God does in you. Uh, as you come to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a, verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Wow, what does that look like? A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Come to Jesus, put your trust in him, build your life on him, and you become part of his spiritual house. You could, you could say temple. His royal, that's kingly, that's royal priesthood. His holy that means set apart to God, set apart from the world, set apart to God, his holy people, his special possession. That's the church. That's who we are. We, the church, are these things. And it can be easy to forget. These are, these are big words. We're going to unpack some of these here, right? Let's look at this first thing. We're living, we are living stones in this house that God is building on the cornerstone. We, like Jesus, little, little guys, are being built on this cornerstone. We've come alive in God. God saved us. He builds us into his house. And the temple in Jerusalem, it's not there anymore. It's been leveled. And it's a way of God indicating to us clearly, emphatically, that that old age is gone. The new has come. And where's this temple now? sitting right there, sitting right there, sitting here. Wherever God's people are, who are filled with his Holy Spirit now, 
cleansed by his blood, his sacrifice. We are filled with his presence. We are the temple of God. We are the living house of God. Because of what God has done. I forget that. That's tremendous. Here we are, this mobile living temple in Walnut Creek in the park. That's pretty cool. Wherever you go this week, you bring God's presence with you. And that takes us to the next thing. You are a royal priesthood. A priest is somebody who mediates between God and humans, others. Isn't that wild? God is calling you a royal because you're attached to the king. Priesthood. We bring God's presence where we go. Right? Because he's with you. He's in you. Everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to help others connect to God, see God, hear about him, hear his words that he spoke to us, that we get to speak to others. We are his royal priest. We're, we're his plan A for getting, helping others come into this house and be built into this spiritual house. He uses us as flawed and flaky as we are. Right? It's a tremendous honor. He works through us. We're his holy people. Sometimes I forget that. Holy, set apart to God. Wow. All right. Am I living holy? What things do I need to slough off, keep off, that belong to the world and are unholy, impure? I want to walk in that more. As we do this, as we live as his royal priesthood, his holy people, his spiritual house, uh, we do a couple things. And maybe you heard them in those passages. Listen to what God calls us to do, this priesthood. Royal priesthood, listen up. Here's what we're called to do. Verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's look at that in a minute. But also, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. This is verse 9. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Number one, next villain, offer spiritual sacrifices to God. What's a sacrifice? Living or dead? A sacrifice is something that is killed to appease God, to please God. He's given us all these sacrifices that we can make that honor God, that please God. Now, we shifting from Old Testament to New Testament, what do those sacrifices look like? What does that mean? What would be an example of a sacrifice God calls you to make to honor him, to please God? What's that? Give up something. Yeah, man, right? Following Jesus, you're going to have to give up some things that don't fit who you are in this new thing anymore. Some old things. Sometimes some old relationships that just bring you down or that you... You know that God's not working in that. Activities. Certain shows I can't watch anymore. I used to have just a terrible sense of humor before I became a believer. Just kind of cutting and mean. And, and I had to unlearn that. And I'm still working on my new, my new shtick. But um, 
I had to let go of something. And I was, it, was, it was a loss, kind of. But then in hindsight, no, it's greater, it's better. Um, my language, I grew, you know, college, I just got accustomed to some pretty bad language. I won't give you examples. I had to change that, and that, that takes a while. And once in a while, it's, you know, it's, it's still wired in there somewhere and it pops out. You know, but I don't want to, it doesn't fit me anymore. Now that I'm part of God's special possession, his holy people, his royal priesthood, his spiritual house, doesn't fit anymore. Other things, other sacrifices. I, I had one this, uh, so we had a small group on Friday, men's group, uh, lunchtime, and um, my car had some issues, and I was telling Gary about it, and he said, why don't I come see it, you know, let's go check it out. And it was great. He diagnosed it in two minutes. It would have taken me, you know, several hours and headaches and probably take it to a shop and maybe some money. He made the sacrifice just to say, hey, let me, let me take a look at it. So serving each other, blessing each other in that way. A lot of sacrifices God calls us to make. But here's the weird thing about these sacrifices. You end up being blessed through them. God actually, they come back to you. Don't look for that, but just watch. You'll see that pattern over time. Any sacrifice God calls you to make, it's for your good. You can't see it yet. You don't know how it's going to play out yet, but it is for your good. I'm thinking of relationships that I had to get out of that were not good. I have had think of habits. I think of sin. I think of a lot of things in my life, and I'm thankful for it. Thank you, God, for pestering me. Thank you, God, for calling me to make that sacrifice. It's been good. Another sacrifice is telling others about this, and that gets us to the next one. The next villain is to declare the praises of God our Savior, the one who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We get to share this good news with others. I want to hear it, um, but some do. Some will. And it's, it's awkward. It can be uncomfortable. Uh, we're doing a workshop next Sunday after church how to share the gospel, how to share your faith with others, just some ideas, some tools. It's a discussion group. And uh, that's the biggest thing, that w that's the biggest gift we can give anybody in this world is um, declaring his praises, sharing what he's done, sharing what he offers, and it's a sacrifice. Once in a while I go out, I try to do this cold contact evangelism. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable. I never want to go, but I'm so thankful I do it afterward. It's a sacrifice, but it's a good one. God calls us to do that. It stretches us, it grows us, it makes us more like him, the one who laid it all down for us to get us out of darkness and into his light. One of the people I think of when, who declare his praises regularly is Arthur. He's a, he told me about, you know, he went to the doctor recently, and he'll tell you the full story. But he's always just sharing with people what God is doing in his life. And it, part of it's because people see it in him. You know? And he just goes with it, though. You will have an opportunity this week or the next couple of weeks to share something about God. It may just be as simple as, yeah, I went to church on Sunday. It may just be opening that door of conversation. It may be just saying, thank you, God. Oh, I'm so thankful to God. Oh, man, 
you know, just saying that out loud more, declaring it, getting it out of the closet, getting it out of the darkness and putting it on a stand and sharing it with others, being more free to do that. It's the greatest gift. And it's sometimes a sacrifice and sometimes it's hard because of this next point, fill in number three. Some people will reject him. Right? We heard that in the passage. Some people will reject the stone. For those who do, for those who do not believe, some will reject him, not believe, disobey the message. Disobey it, reject it. Stumble over him and fall. The cornerstone. He calls us to build his life on him. And some stumble over him and fall. Expect it. People rejected Jesus. They're going to reject you. And it's not always going to be because you didn't do that very well or you didn't do it perfectly or whatever. It's the nature of who we are now. Some people reject it and some will accept it. God will use you to help others get their attention on Jesus and find life in him. It's how all of us got here at some point, right? Somebody shared this with you at some point in your life. Some member of his royal priesthood. And they weren't wearing a collar. They were, I don't know, maybe they were. All right, we get to do this. Now, there's a picture that ties us all together. And some of you have seen this. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this, but it's, uh, it's one of, part of this is the backstory of how we got the name Open Table Church. Um, but I think this is an image that draws it all together. If you have a bulletin, it's in color on your bulletin. I encourage you to look at it because we're going to discuss it for a little bit. It's a painting from the early 1400s. If you need a bulletin, just raise your hand. It's a painting from the early 1400s, going way back, by Russian artist Andrei Rublev. All right, and there's two, there's two images simultaneously. This refers to Genesis 18, the three visitors who came to Abraham. But Rublev is, is really bringing to the forefront another image, an image of the Trinity, and that's the name of this painting, the Trinity. And we see three figures here, right? You got the... On the left to right, I'm going to point out a few things. Left to right, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the Father, the, the figure on the left, what, what's he wearing? What color? How would you describe the color of his robe? Luminous. Totally, yeah. That's a great word. Shimmery, luminous. You can't quite put words to it. Undescribable unseen the father is still unseen to us but he's been revealed to us in the next figure the son who has this reddish purple cloth sacrifice and royalty he's got this gold band of royal authority as well and then the holy spirit what color is he wearing yeah green and blue right let's look at the green what what might green symbolize a lot of symbolism here Life, yeah, new life, yeah. And what color do they share in common? Blue, yeah, blue and gold. So blue, heaven, the heavens. This is one God in three persons. The, the divine one, there's two categories in the world, the divine and everything else, creation. The creator, the created, and God, God here who is one, has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
All right, yes, and the gold is, you know, a figure of the divine and royal as well. Now, what's at the center? Table, yeah. All right, what color is it? What does that symbolize? Purity, holiness. Yeah, this is the holy fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is being imaged here, symbolized here. This is a holy fellowship, pure, divine, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And this holy fellowship, there's an opening, right? It opens up to who? To us, to you and me. The holy table of God, the eternal, self-sustaining, everlasting fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is opened up to you, welcoming you to come, to come, to rest, to sit, to be in fellowship with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But, but we're at a little stronghold because the, 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 the table is pure, it's holy. This is, this is God, perfect, and I'm not. So how do we imperfect flawed, impure people, how can we come to this table? What do we see on the picture? The cup, the center. Right? The center, arguably, of the picture is the cup. Jesus is pointing to it. Right? Directs our attention to the cup. It's the cup of God's wrath that Jesus drank for us, right? He drank the cup of God's wrath on the cross for you and me, for our sins, the wrath, the punishment that you and I deserve for our sins. Jesus took that in himself so that you would not have to, so that the table can now be open to you. This is way different than the Old Testament system where there are all these boundaries and blockers. Now, through Jesus' once-for-all-time sacrifice, we can come into the presence of God. Ephesians 3.12 says, says, you can come now with freedom and confidence because of Jesus, because of what he's done for you. Whatever your week looked like, wherever you've been the last three months, six months, two years, 20 years, the table's open to you through the sacrifice of Christ. It takes a little humility, saying, yep, I can approach because of what you did for me, Jesus. Yes, I fell short. Thank you for this invitation. Thank you for opening a way for me to come into the fellowship of God. He's calling you into relationship. He's calling me into relationship. Okay, one little bonus thing. Not to get too geeked out here. So Jesus is pointing from above down to the cup. The table is like this, this ground, this place of meeting between humanity and God, where we can meet with God. What's the Holy Spirit doing in relation to the table? Yeah, he's touching it, right? He's got his finger on it. The inbreaking of the Holy Spirit the holy, living, powerful presence of God 
comes to you and me when we meet with him, when we draw close because of the blood of, of Jesus, his sacrifice for us, when we come into his presence, the Holy Spirit breaks into your life, touches you and me. This is the invitation. If you're outside of fellowship with God, the table's open. The table goes over to you because of what Jesus did for you. You're not qualified to just stumble up to that table on your own. Jesus qualified you by his loving sacrifice for you, by the cup at the center of the table. And if you've been drifting and kind of wandering and, you know, come to the table again. And we need to come to the table regularly, right? I need to do this daily. I need to go to God regularly to get my mind set right, to get my heart set right, um, to, to get my relationships set right. It's available to you anytime, all the time. All right, so let's, let's come together to it by taking communion. You're welcome to take communion. Um, listen to what is happening here. You should have a little cup if you want to join us. If you don't, you're not quite sure what's going on, you're not ready for it, that's fine. Just observe, just hang tight. And this is what Jesus did on the night before he took that cup of sacrifice. Remember him in the garden? Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. This cup of God's wrath for our sins. He, at that last supper together, before they went to the garden, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, his friends. He said, take and eat. This is my body. Jesus laid down his body on the cross so he could come into his fellowship. So let's take and eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Receive a sacrifice for you. And then he took the cup. He gave thanks. He offered it to all of them and said, Take and drink, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your great loving sacrifice for us, Son of God, King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you for laying your life down for us that we can be accepted by God. We can be put in right standing with God. We can come to your table with freedom and with confidence, not because of our goodness, but because of your goodness for us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. We ask this week, Lord, that you would help us remember to come to you again and again during the week when things are hard, when we're anxious. Help us come back to you, put our trust in you. Call out to you, Lord God. Find strength in you, Lord God. 
And Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would, by the power of your Spirit, speak through us to others. Make us an effective royal priesthood that's declaring your praises, your excellencies to those around us, Lord. Those who are close to you and those who are far from you, Lord God, use us. Work through us, Lord, to build this house. We thank you for making us part of it. We ask that you would use us to help others come in. We praise you for this time. Amen.